Now we see here that first Allah tells us to eat well, fix our eating habits, and then Allah tells us about what we cannot eat. So, إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ Indeed, He has forbidden upon you. إِنَّمَا What does إِنَّمَا mean? Indeed, nothing but this. The only things that Allah has forbidden on you. One thing before we continue, remember that in this ayah, the list of haram foods is not being mentioned. The list of haram foods is not being mentioned. Only a few of the haram foods are being mentioned. So why is إِنَّمَا said over here? Indeed, nothing but this. To show us that the majority of the things are halal. There are only a few things that we shouldn't eat. We think otherwise. Everything is haram, only a few things are halal. It's the other way around. So, إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ حَرَّمَ from haram, haramim. What is it that He has forbidden upon you? الْمَيْتَ mean wauta, maut. What does maut mean? Death. And mayta is that which is dead. That which is dead. Meaning the animal which is dead. Corpse. Dead animal. And linguistically, the word meta applies to an animal that dies a death that has not been caused by a human being. An animal that dies a death that was not caused by a human being. This is what the word literally means, meta. So for example... If a lion kills a deer, is that deer meta? Yes. If a human being slaughters a cow, is that cow meta? No. No, because the human being caused the animal's death. If an animal falls off of a cliff and dies, is it meta? Yes. If an animal got sick and then it died, is it meta? Yes. So meta is something that Allah has forbidden on us to eat. Now in the Sharia, what is meta? Meta in the Sharia is that animal which has died and it did not die according to the laws of the Sharia, in the sense that it did not die in a way that animal would be halal. Okay? In a way that that animal would become halal for consumption. What do I mean by that? If an animal falls off a cliff, dies, can you eat it? No. If an animal was caught by a lion, can you eat it? No. If an animal was slaughtered, by an atheist. Is it halal? No. It will be considered as maita. If an animal was shot by an atheist, can you eat that? No. It will be considered maita. If an animal was, let's say, electrocuted, and as a result of that electrocution, it died immediately, is it halal? No. If an animal was slaughtered, but the name of Allah was not mentioned, is it halal? No, it will be maita, it will be dead. So, إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةَ So this includes an animal that dies a natural death, an animal that dies an accidental death, an animal which was not slaughtered properly, an animal that was slaughtered but the blood was not caused to flow out of it properly. An animal that was not slaughtered by a Muslim, a Jew, or a Christian. So this is what? Maita. Allah has forbidden for us to eat that. Now one thing remember, that if an animal is slaughtered in the right way, by who? By a Muslim, by a Jew, by a Christian. So a Muslim and from the people of the book then it will be halal. But, this is not the only condition that a Muslim Jew or Christian should slaughter. There are other conditions as well. 
Like for example, the name of Allah we pronounced. It should not be dedicated to anyone else except Allah. Secondly, dam and the blood. We have learned the word وَيَسْفِكُ dima is the plural of dam. Okay, dam is blood. So blood is something that we cannot consume. Does it mean that let's say you bought some chicken from a halal meat store, you brought it home, you cooked it, and then uh, when you were eating it, you took a piece of meat off, and on the bone you see redness. Like haram, blood. What kind of blood is this? Flowing blood. In the Quran we learn about wadaman masfuhan, blood that has been spilled. So you can say like, for example, when an animal is slaughtered and the blood comes out, if a person collects that and drinks that or mixes it in something, not allowed to consume that. Okay? Blood, we're not allowed to drink. We're not allowed to consume. The Prophet ﷺ said, there is an exception. أُحِلَّتْ لَنَا مَيْتَتَانِ وَدَمَانِ Two dead and two types of blood have been made permissible for us. Exception. Two dead and two types of blood have been made permissible for us. فَأَمَّا الْمَيْتَتَانِ As for the two dead, what are they? فَالْحُوتُ وَالْجَرَادِ Then they are the fish and the locusts. So if you see a fish at the coast, it's dead. Is it halal for you to eat? Yes. If you buy fish from a non-Muslim, is it allowed for you to eat it? Yes. If you go to, let's say, a Japanese restaurant, they serve only fish, seafood, and you have sushi, is it halal? Yes, it is. Okay? Maytatan, two dead. What are they? Fish, and secondly, locusts. Why is dead fish halal? Because you can't slaughter fish. I mean, when people catch fish, they catch them by the hundreds. So is it possible that as you take each fish out, you slaughter it? And how would you slaughter it? How would you slaughter it? You can't. Which neck would you cut off from where? You can't do that. Okay? And secondly, locusts. What are locusts? Bugs. Okay? You find them a lot on fields, in the desert. Okay? And especially in the desert, what would happen is that, for example, a swarm of locusts, they're coming, and because of the heat, many of them die, so you would find them, you can say, fried or baked on the desert sand. So people would eat it, just like, you know, crunchy stuff, like you have your crunchy chips. Okay? Locusts also. Can you slaughter locusts? How can you slaughter locusts? I mean, how can you even catch a locust first of all? Okay? And then take the knife and say, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, and then slaughter. Not possible. So, two dead animals are halal. What are they? The fish and the locusts and two types of blood are halal. What are they? They are the liver and the spleen. Meaning the liver and the spleen of an animal that has been slaughtered properly. You would say, why is liver, spleen, why are they described as blood? Because they have a lot to do with blood. Spleen, for example, it is said that it holds extra blood. And we see that liver and spleen, both of them, they're two organs that are concerned with filtering, detoxifying, cleaning the blood. So they're full of blood. Okay? So these two, you are allowed to consume as long as the animal was slaughtered properly. As long as the animal is halal for you to eat. So, إِنَّمَا حَرُّمَ عَلَيْكُمُ First of all, mayta. Secondly, Secondly, وَالدَّمْ And the blood. Thirdly, وَلَحْمَ الْخِنْزِيرِ And the flesh of swine. Lahm. What does lahm mean? Meat. The fleshy part. The meat part. So the flesh, the meat of what? The khinzir. The pig. The hog. The swine. Whatever you want to call it. Male, female, whatever breed. All of them. What are they? Forbidden for us to eat. Now, flesh is mentioned over here. But does it mean you can eat the bones? No, you can't. When you slaughter an animal, you don't slaughter to get the bones out of it. 
The main thing that you want out of an animal is what? It's flesh. And the bones, you may use them, you may discard them. Isn't it so? So, by saying the flesh, the entire animal is meant. The entire animal is meant. And especially, the context over here is of eating. What you would eat as a main thing. So, the flesh of the pig, the skin of the pig, the bones, the tissue, the nerve fibers, the, everything is involved in this. Okay, so وَلَحْمُ الْخِنْزِيرِ Even that is forbidden. Why khinzir? Why is it forbidden? Or why is this mentioned? Because we see that in many cultures, khinzir, the pig, is considered to be of the animals of livestock. Which is why whenever you get a book that is about farms, even for little kids, you will see the cow, you will see the goat, and you will also see the pig. Always. Pigs are at farms. They are herbivores. They eat herbs, but they also eat they also eat dead creatures. So they're not herbivores, actually they're omnivores. Okay, because they eat both. They eat plants as well as other animals. And there are many reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forbid this creature on us. Why Allah would not allow us to eat it. And the more you study it, the more you are repulsed by it. There may be some benefits in it, which is why it is eaten in many cultures across the world. But like Allah says with regards to alcohol, that وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِن نَفْعِهِمَا That the sin is greater than the benefit. The harm is more than the benefit. So because of that, Allah has not allowed us to eat khinzid at all. Do you know of any reason why it's not allowed for us to eat? Yes, it lives in its own filth. What else? It can eat pretty much anything, quite literally. I was reading, there are these toilets that they had in India. I think now they have finished that system. And what they had done was that the toilet is such that there is a chute at the end of the toilet. And whatever is put into the toilet, it goes out the chute. And there are pigs over there that consume human feces. And it's like a pen that they have made where certain pigs are. And basically that's a very convenient way of getting rid of the filth. You have no water, you have no flushing system, you have no drainage pipes. So just pigs over there and as a result, all the impurities will be consumed by them. And the thing is that they will even eat their own feces, so you don't even have to worry about them. So, how can we eat something that is like this? Allah tells us to eat that which is tayyib, clean. How is it clean? Any other reason you know? Yes. They can even eat human flesh, human bones. That their digestive system is not good, that all the filth would actually come out of the body. And it's also said that they don't have sweat glands, so the impurities stay within the body. A lot of disease is passed on. So there are many reasons, and you know them. So remember, whatever Allah has commanded, whatever He has forbidden, it is for a reason. So وَلَحْمَ الْخِنْزِيرِ And also the flesh of swine. وَمَا أُهِلَّ بِهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ One more thing that Allah has forbidden is that, وَمَا and that which أُهِلَّ it was called loudly, bihi with it, Allah for other than Allah. What does it mean by this? Uhilla, this is from the root letters halam lam. Any word that you can think of from this root? Hilal, not halal. That's with a ha. This is ha. Okay? What is hilal? The moon, the crescent. When people see the crescent, then what happens? You have to announce its sighting. That it is Ramadan, or it is Eid. So, sighting of the moon leads to noise making, leads to announcements. Ihlal literally means Raf'u Sawt, to raise one's voice. To raise one's voice. From the same root is Istahal al Mawlud, when a child makes noise, meaning when a child is born and he cries. Then if he dies after that cry, then he will be inherited from. 
And from the same root is also the word tahleel. Tahleel is to say the talbiyah. When you go for umrah, when you go for hajj, tahleel. And how do you say talbiyah? Is that how you say it? You're supposed to say it out loud. So, tahleel, say the talbiyah. So we see that all of these words that are related from the root halam lam, they give the meaning of raising one's voice, pronouncing something, announcing something. Uhilla, it was pronounced. Bihi, at it, meaning at the animal, when it was being slaughtered, what was pronounced? Lighailah for other than Allah. Meaning, at the time when the animal was being slaughtered, someone other than Allah was mentioned. Why? For the purpose of dedication. Remember that when it comes to slaughter, when it comes to slaughtering an animal, this is not just slaughtering an animal so that you can eat out of it. It is actually an act of worship. It is actually a ritual. Allah says in the Quran that say, Inna salati wa nusuki. That say that my prayers and my nusuk, my sacrifice, my slaughter, what I slaughter, what I sacrifice, are all for who? For Allah. So, nusuk, slaughtering, this is a ritual, it is an act of worship. And this is not just in Islam. This is not just in Islam. You go back to the time of Jahiliyyah, before Islam. The Arabs, when they would consume an animal and they would slaughter it, they would mention at the time of slaughtering the name of the one for whose sake they were slaughtering the animal. The name of the one for whose sake they were slaughtering the animal. So, for example, they would slaughter the animal and they would say, Bismi Allat, Bismi Al-Uzza. And Lat and Uzza, they were the two idols of the mushrikeen. Likewise, we see that there are people who when they slaughter an animal, they mention the name of, for example, Jibreel salam. That this is for the sake of Jibreel, you know, to seek help from him, to please him. Or they will mention the name of some shaitan, or some saint, or some pious person, or companion of the Prophet sallallahu or Muhammad sallallahu himself. So, Allah says over here that any animal that was slaughtered and the name of other than Allah was mentioned at that time, can you eat it? You cannot eat it. It's not allowed for you to eat. Because you will only eat of that animal which is sacrificed, which is slaughtered for the sake of Allah alone. Now, لِغَيْرِ Other than Allah, it can be in many ways. First of all, it could be that the name of Allah is mentioned and somebody else's name is also mentioned. So a person says, I slaughter this for the sake of Allah and for the sake of His Messenger. I want to please Allah, I want to please His Messenger. Allah and Messenger. Is that allowed? It's not allowed. The mushrikeen would say, for Allah and also for our idol. Allowed? Not allowed. Secondly, it could be that the name of Allah is not mentioned at all. The name of somebody else is mentioned. Is that permissible? Even that is not permissible. And لِغَيْرِ Allah also includes that nothing is mentioned. Allah's name is not mentioned. No one's name is mentioned. Is that allowed for you to eat? No. وَمَا أُهِلَّ بِهِ لِغَيْرِ Remember, slaughtering an animal is a ritual, act of worship. And it has to be done only for Allah. If it's done for other than Allah, then that is shirk. And we're not allowed to eat of that. Kosher meat... Why do some scholars say that it is permissible for us to eat it? Because remember that there are different levels of kosher, different types of kosher. And there is a paper that Sheikh Yasir Qadi wrote recently on kosher foods. And I recommend that you find it on the internet and read it. It's very important, especially living in this society, that we know about what is okay for us to eat and what is not okay for us to eat. So anyway, the reason is because they are very strict when it comes to slaughtering the animal. Their method is very Similar to ours in the sense that all the blood is to be drained, it has to be cut from a specific way at a specific point. And they also mention the name of Allah. There's a particular statement that they utter. It's very long compared to just Bismillah. It's very long. However, there's no shirk involved in that. And when they slaughter, they do it for the sake of Allah. And we know that we believe in the same Lord as them. So there is no shirk involved over there. The method is the same. So that's why it's okay. However, if you say that, okay, if Jews are okay, then you eat the food of the Christians as well, then 
you have to be careful over there because they don't mention the name of Allah. If they say, Bismi Masih, for Masih, for Isa a.s., is that permissible? Not at all. Jews don't do that. The Christians do. So that's why we're not going to eat that. And if people say that in the Qur'an, Allah says that the food of the people of the book is permissible for you, then it doesn't talk about the meat that they eat or everything that they eat because in that way, the Jews, they consume alcohol. Can we consume alcohol? No. The Christians, they consume pork. Can we consume pork? No, we can't. So only that food of theirs is permissible, which is permissible for us as well. So even when it comes to animals, we will only eat that animal which they have slaughtered if it's for the sake of Allah alone, if it's slaughtered in the right way. Earlier a question was raised about if you get some meat from a person who has slaughtered an animal, at the time of slaughtering they mentioned the name of, let's say, Ali Hussain They dedicate that animal for Ali, for Hussein. Then is that meat permissible for us to eat? No, it's not. But that is when you know that yes, for sure they mention their name. But if it's just that you're assuming, you're assuming that they might have then you don't assume like that. And remember that, you know, sometimes people say that, oh, this is from the Ahl Tashayyur, meaning the Shia, so don't eat it at all. There are different types of Shia. Okay? There are different types of Shia. Some are very intense and others are not. So you have to see. Don't just generalize. So do your research, don't generalize. Anyway, so we read over here, وَمَا أُهِلَّ بِهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ Even that is not permissible. But what if a person is in a situation where all he can eat is haram food? Otherwise he will literally die. Can he still not eat haram food? Allah says, فَمَنِ Then whoever was compelled, Darar is harm. And اضطرار is to compel, to force someone to do that which they find harmful. Why would you have to force somebody to do something? Because they don't want to do it. Why don't they want to do it? They find it difficult or they think it's harmful for them. So whoever was compelled, forced, compelled into that situation, he was driven, he was forced against his wishes into that situation, that he has to eat haram in order to protect his life, then he may eat it. But there are two conditions. First of all, غَيْرَ بَاغٍ And secondly, وَلَا عَادٍ he should not eat as a baghi and he should not eat it as a adi. What does it mean by baghin? Baghin, baghin, ya. Baghi means rebellion. Rebellion. And also means to desire. Okay? It means rebellion and it also means to desire. So baghin, one desiring. Meaning, he wants to, he likes to eat that which is haram, even though he doesn't need to. So he says, I'm hungry, I didn't have breakfast this morning. And okay, the only options I have over here are a meat burger, or pasta with some meat, or pepperoni pizza, and that's all I can eat. So I'm going to eat it. I want to eat it anyway. So I'm hungry, so I might as well eat it. First of all, first of all, do you really have to eat? Do you really have to eat? Is it darura? It's not. You skipped your breakfast. Soon you'll be home within two, three hours. Can you not eat there? Can you not eat there? Yes, you can. Secondly, is that the only option that you have? No. If you don't, find any halal chicken, halal meat, then you have so many vegetarian options out there these days. And honestly, you know, when people become these vegetarians and these vegans, so many things have become halal for us in that way. So many processed foods are halal for us in that way. You know, there's a a restaurant that I discovered, and it's all organic food, all vegetarian all vegetarian. I mean, they use alcohol in some stuff, but they're so particular about their ingredients that you can ask them, okay, what has alcohol, what doesn't have alcohol? And you can find it. You can find whatever you want to eat. So, is that the only option? No. You have so many options out there. I mean, even if you go to, for example, a subway, you find chips, don't you? You find drinks. Don't think that the only option you have is to have that chicken sub. 
No, you have other options as well. So, غَيْرَ بَاغٍ A person must not eat the haram with desire. That he wanted to eat it, so he's just finding an excuse, and as soon as he gets it, he just goes on eating it. غَيْرَ بَاغٍ وَلَا عَادٍ Second condition, وَلَا عَادٍ He should not eat it as an عَادٍ عَادٍ from the root letters عَيْن دَالْوَاو And this can be understood to be the word عُدْوَان And عُدْوَان is to exceed bounds. So he is exceeding the bounds in eating the haram, in consuming the haram. How? That he's at the verge of dying. Literally, he's at the verge of dying. He's at the verge of passing out. Okay. He has the option of, let's say, eating a burger, a sandwich, and he knows that if he eats a bite or two, he'll survive. So he starts eating that sandwich, he takes a bite or two, and then he's like, you know what, I always wanted to try, might as well have the whole thing. Where one morsel, two morsels can fulfill his darura, then he should not exceed that limit. He should not go on to eating and eating and eating, like, I don't know when I'll be in this situation again, so might as well eat whatever I can. No, only eat as much as is necessary, as much as will save you. When it comes to cure, when it comes to medicine, remember that there is no good in that which is haram. In haram, there is no shifa. Because remember that Allah is the one who gives shifa. You can have all the medication out there, but if Allah does not wish to give you shifa, you cannot have that shifa. Aren't there so many people who try the same course, but some get cured and others don't? Why? Because a shafi is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A shafi is not the medicine. So even when you're taking the medicine, it should be that which is halal. So, فَمَنِ اضْطُرَّ غَيْرَ بَاغٍ وَلَا عَادٍ فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ Then there is no sin on him. What is ism? Hamza thamim. Ism is this feeling in your heart which irritates your conscience. That you're doing it, but you're very uncomfortable. You're very uncomfortable. So, Allah says that if you're in a situation where you're at the verge of dying, that's the only option you have, then take as much as is necessary, not more than the need, and don't take it with desire, then don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel guilty about it. فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ There's no sin on you for that. So, we see here that Allah has permitted the consumption of haram in a situation where three conditions are met. First of all, darura, dire need, necessity. That if a person does not have the haram, then that's it, he's done. He would suffer adversely, he would die. So in that situation, in the state of darura, a person may consume haram. Secondly, that he doesn't eat while desiring to eat it. Meaning, even when he's eating that haram, he dislikes what he's eating. He's not enjoying it. He's not relishing it. Rather, he dislikes it. And thirdly, he doesn't exceed the amount that would fulfill the darura. So, فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ There's no sin upon him. And a person should remember that, إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. When do we think that Allah is forgiving and merciful? When we're doing something wrong. When we're doing something wrong, we say Allah is forgiving and merciful. Over here, Allah is saying, in the situation of dire need, you may eat haram without any guilt. And remember that Allah is forgiving and merciful. Allah knows your intention. Have you not heard the hadith, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ Everyone knows about it. So, when it comes to consuming haram in the time of extreme need, over there also your intention matters a lot. With what niyyah are you eating? Now many times people confuse this with other situations. They say, you know, if you can't find halal meat, then eat haram. Eat whatever is available to you. These days, you can find halal meat at so many places. And if you cannot find meat, there are so many other options, so many vegetables and so many meat alternatives. I mean, tofu and so many things are out there that you can eat, which will help you maintain good health, even if you're not able to eat red meat all the time. I have a relative and they live in a place in the U.S. which is far away from any Muslim population. That city itself is very, very small. And they can't find any halal meat over there. So every other weekend they go to the nearest city 
a big city and they go and buy a whole lot of halal meat and they bring it and they store it in their freezers and that's what they use. So don't generalize this. And there are times when people are in such desperate situations that a person could be lost in the desert. A person could be lost somewhere. So in that situation, you have to eat something to keep yourself alive. Because remember of the maqasid of sharia, what are they? Preservation of human life. Recitation. إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةَ وَالدَّمَ وَلَحْمَ الْخِنْزِيرِ وَمَا أُهِلَّ بِهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ فَمَنِ اضْطُرَّ غَيْرَ بَاغٍ وَلَا عَادٍ فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Now as I mentioned to you earlier, over here the list of haram foods is not mentioned. Over here they're mentioned only briefly. The rest of them inshallah we will learn about as we study the Qur'an. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ Indeed those people who conceal يَكْتُمُونَ from كَتَمَ What do they hide? مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ What Allah has revealed. What Allah has sent down. And what is it that Allah has sent down? مِنَ الْكِتَابِ Of the book. The book that Allah has revealed, whether it is the Qur'an, or it is the Torah, or it is the Injil, any book that Allah revealed. And those people who concealed it, and then when they concealed it, they hid what Allah revealed, they hid the commands, they hid the prohibitions, they hid the truth from the people, and by that they achieved some benefit. They got something by concealing knowledge. What is it that they got? وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا وَيَشْتَرُونَ And they purchase, they take. شِينُ What do they take? بِهِ by it, meaning by hiding the truth, they get ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا A small price, a petty price. ثَمَنْ سَامِيمْنُونَ And قَلِيلٌ قَافْلَامْ لَامْ We have done all of these words before, so I'm not going to explain them over here. So, they hide the truth And by hiding the truth, they're getting some advantage. And what is that advantage? Thamanan qalilan. What could it be? What does it mean by this? We learned about this earlier as well, that a person who hides what Allah has revealed, the truth, then that is a great crime. What's the punishment for that? What's the punishment for that? The curse of Allah. The curse of Allah'inun. And over here we see, That they hide the truth, but by hiding they're actually getting some benefit, some worldly benefit. What is that worldly benefit? It could be acceptance amongst the people. It could be that people like you, they appreciate you. We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the sharia to Musa a.s. He gave him the commands of what was halal for the people, what was haram for the people. But we know that as time goes by, people drift away from their religion, they lose their spirituality, they lose their fear of Allah, then what happens? They want to make that which is haram, halal for themselves. Which is why, for example, you will find beverages that are with alcoholic names, but they are non-alcoholic. Why? Because people have this likeness for that which is haram. They like, they develop love for attraction for that which is haram. And then people go to the extent of making haram, halal, through whatever ways that they want to. So for example, the Bani Israel, they were told, you cannot fish on the Sabbath. What did they do? They put out nets on Friday, took them out on Sunday. So they came up with ways to make haram, halal for themselves. Now, what was the responsibility of their scholars? That they should... Tell the people that what you're doing is wrong. You should not consume that food because it is not allowed for us to eat. However, if everybody's consuming haram and you go and tell them, you don't eat this, aren't you going to look like the bad guy? Like a person who is ruining the party? A person who always has to do something different? Always has to you know, create trouble for people? Always has to make other people look bad? You will look like that. So if you know the truth and you see people doing something wrong, but you don't tell them about the truth, what are you gaining by that? Acceptance of people. 
that people will accept you, they will like you, they'll be okay with you. And a person who has knowledge, he is at a very, very big risk. Very big risk. Because on the one hand, he has to fear Allah and declare the truth. On the other hand, he has this fear that people will oppose me. Because truth hurts. Some people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to live it. So at this time, the one who has been given knowledge, he has to be very careful. Am I hiding the truth just out of fear of people? Just so that I can get summon in qalila? Just so that I can make some money? Just so that people will like me? Just so that they will give me gifts? They will say I'm the best scholar out there? No. A person should have fear of Allah. Because those people who do this, they hide the truth and they take benefit in return. Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ Those people, مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارِ they're not consuming, they're not eating. Fi butunihim in their bellies. Butun is plural of button. In their stomachs, they're not putting anything except what? Anar, the fire. So for example, something is haram, and they tell the people, no, no, it's halal, you can eat it. And the people bring them gifts, and the people give them money. They make money through religion. So what happens? Whatever money that they use to get food or whatever money they're using. All of that is what? In reality, Allah says, it's fire. Any gain that you get through haram means, what is it in reality? It is fire. If a person steals somebody's property, and they're eating it, they're using it, what are they playing with? Fire. It is the fire of hell. If a person steals somebody's property, and they're using it, It's not that they have a phone now. It's not that they have somebody else's book now, somebody else's notes now. They have actually taken a piece of hellfire for themselves. أُولَٰئِكَ مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارِ People who manipulate others and they use their religion, they corrupt their religion for worldly benefits, what are they taking? Hellfire. They don't speak out the truth for worldly benefits. What are they choosing for themselves? Hellfire. أُولَٰئِكَ مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارِ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهِ And Allah will not even speak to them. كَافْ لَامْ مِيمْ كَلَامْ To talk. Allah will not even talk to them. When? يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the Day of Judgment. Just imagine. Allah refuses refuses to talk to a person on the Day of Judgment. Has it ever happened to you that you want to talk to someone, but they're so upset that they don't even answer you? They don't even look at you? They don't even respond to you? How do you feel? Broken, rejected. And that feeling of rejection, it makes you so sad. But in this dunya, what happens? If one person is upset with you, they don't talk to you, you're like, okay, fine, never mind. I have so many other people to talk to. I'll do something else. But if on the Day of Judgment, Allah does not talk to a person, then what does He have? Where can He go? What can bring Him comfort? Nothing can. For that person is hellfire. وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And when He goes into hellfire, وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ Allah will not even purify them. تَزْكِيَةِ زَيْكَافِيَةِ Or well, purification. Allah will not purify them. When we commit sins, we become filthy, we become dirty. And on the Day of Judgment, through the difficulties of Hashr, of the Day of Gathering, either because of that, we are purified, or when a person goes to hellfire, he suffers the punishment, then he is purified. But we see that these people, even though they may suffer a lot of difficulties on the Day of Judgment, it will not purify them. Even though they may suffer years and years in hellfire, they will never ever come out clean. Why? Because they have become inherently filthy. Inherently filthy, inherently dirty. There are some things that you can clean. And there are other things that you cannot clean. Aren't there? If you have a piece of cloth that has become dirty, can you clean it? Yes, you can. Even if you can't remove the stain, can you get the filth off? Yes, you can. But filth, in and of itself, 
how can you clean that? You can't clean that because it is filthy. You can't clean it. No matter how much you try to clean it, you can't. It will always be dirty because its characteristics, its traits are all filth. It's composed of filth. It is filth. It's nothing but filth. So, وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ He will not even purify them. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ And for them is a punishment that is alimun, that is very painful. What's the relationship of this verse with the previous one? Matters of halal and haram, they're very sensitive. It's a big issue in our religion. Because when you eat halal, you are worshipping Allah. Or when you eat haram, you are disobeying Allah. Through eating, a person can commit shirk by eating that which was slaughtered for other than Allah or by slaughtering something for other than Allah. Or he can practice tawheed by slaughtering something for the sake of Allah. He can be grateful to Allah, he can be ungrateful to Allah. Eating is something that's very major. It's not something that's insignificant. And eating is all something that people are very sensitive about. Food is something that people are very sensitive about. If you tell somebody who's having coke, don't have that, it's not good for your body, what will they say? Mind your own business please. Let me have it. Who are you to dictate what I eat, what I don't eat? If you tell somebody you're always eating, they tell you, so what? If you tell somebody, eat something, they say, I don't want to eat, don't force me. Isn't it? People are very sensitive when it comes to eating. People have their choices, their likes, their dislikes. And we see that just because people are sensitive, just because people don't like to hear certain things, does not mean we don't tell them. We have to tell them. We have to tell them. Because if we don't tell them, they could be disobeying Allah. They could be eating haram. They could be committing shirk. So when somebody tells us about halal and haram, we should not get offended. And if we know about halal haram, then we should not fear when we have to tell other people about it. Because if we hide the truth and we gain some worldly advantage out of it, acceptance, money, then... This is something that's not right because it has severe consequences on the Day of Judgment, painful punishment in the hereafter. Allah will not talk to such people. You knew the truth and you didn't tell people? And you made money out of it? You took advantage of other people's ignorance? And we see that it's because of this reason that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they conveyed the truth. They didn't want to hide the truth. So they conveyed it even if other people would find it difficult to hear it. Even if they did not want to know about it. They conveyed the truth. So on us is the same responsibility. If people don't want to hear it, tell them in a way that is nice. Tell them in a way that is gentle. Change your manner, but don't change the truth. Change your manner, but don't change the truth. And here we see that concealing knowledge has been mentioned. People conceal the truth for many reasons. It could be selfishness. It could be stinginess. It could be greed. That I don't want other people to know as much as I know. I want to be the most knowledgeable person. Whatever reason it may be, this is wrong. When we know something, it is our responsibility that we tell them. And when a person tells the truth, then this is such a virtuous deed. In a hadith we learn that indeed Allah, His angels, the dwellers of the heavens and the earth, even the ants, even the ants, what do they do? And even the fish, they pray for the one who teaches people about good things. The one who spreads the truth, imagine, everything, every creation likes him. And the one who conceals the truth, then every creation hates him. Ulaika, those are the ones who Alladina, they are those who Ishtara Wadalata Bilhuda. They have purchased misguidance for guidance. They have taken misguidance and they have given up guidance. And they have taken wal adab and the punishment bil maqfira instead of forgiveness. Look at what they took and look at what they gave up. They took punishment and they took misguidance. And they gave up what? Guidance and they gave up forgiveness. When a person spreads knowledge, when a person spreads the truth, then he is rightly guided. And for this he will be forgiven. His other sins will be forgiven. It's a source of many virtuous deeds. And when a person conceals the truth, then that is what? Misguidance. 
misguiding other people as well. And that results in punishment. Allah says, فَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ So how patient are they over the fire? They know that their end is fire. But look at them how patient they are. Look at them how daring they are. فَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ مَا أَصْبَرَ This is ta'ajjub. This is expressing amazement. How patient they are. Wow. It's sarcasm. Okay? It's sarcasm. So, فَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ How patient they are over the fire. Do they even realize what they are taking? What they are opting for? ذَلِكَ That is, بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ Because Allah has revealed the book in truth. نَزَّلَ نُونْ This book that Allah has revealed, He has revealed it in truth. Allah has not revealed it with falsehood. No, every part of the book that Allah has revealed is truth, it is to be followed, it has to be observed, it has benefits in it for people. The book of Allah does not contain falsehood. So when it has the truth, then the truth must be declared, it must be informed. وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا And indeed those people who have differed, خَالَمْ فَإِخْتِلَافُ To differ, to have differences. So those people who differ fil kitab concerning the book, which book? The book that Allah has revealed. And what's the difference that people have concerning the book? Some believe, others don't. And also, of the biggest ikhtilaf is interpretations. That people get firm on their own interpretation. They say, no, this is the right way. No, this is the right way. No, that is the wrong way. No, that is the wrong way. Every person thinks what they're doing, what they understand is Right. And those who get lost in this ikhtilaf, whose hum and gham, whose main focus in their life becomes this ikhtilaf, what does so and so say? And what does that person say? وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا فِي الْكِتَابِ Allah says they are لَفِي شِقَاقٍ بَعِيدٍ They are in an extreme dissension. شِقَاق شِنْ قَافْ قَافْ We have done this word earlier. شِقَاق is what? Dissension. When people are split apart, broken apart. They are different. They have gone different ways. Ba'id far away. You know, if there's a road, and then it separates, one goes one way, and the other goes the other way. Eventually, people who were on the same road are now miles and miles apart. Because both went in opposite directions. Both took different roads. So those who fall into differences concerning the book, then what happens? They are far away from the guidance. They go far away from the truth. Why is this being mentioned over here? The thing is that when it comes to halal, haram, you will see a lot of differences amongst the people. Even amongst the Muslims. One person says it's halal, and says no, it's haram. The other says this much is halal, but it says no, even a little quantity is haram. You will see a lot of differences. What are we supposed to do? Should we get caught up in all of these differences? And start debating and start arguing and start refuting other people? Because we think if you're religious, then you know about what is haram, what is halal, and you know about all of those ingredients that go into products. And we think this is religiosity. All of this is not religiosity. Religion is much more than that. And based on these issues, we should not start opposing one another. We should have respect for each other. Because those who get caught up in these differences, they are the ones who go far away from the truth. We see, for example, even today, there are scholars who will differ concerning certain fiqh opinions. Some will say this is halal, another will say this is haram. But they will still have respect for each other. But we tend to hate other people who follow a different opinion than ours. We hate them. They have their evidence. Okay, you might not agree with it, but don't start hating them. Don't start refuting them in every situation. Just accept them the way they are. And when you know the truth, when you know the dalil, then you tell them. And also remember that when you find out about a dalil, an evidence that tells you something is halal or something is haram, then accept it. Don't get stuck up in your opinion that you don't want to move from there, even though you know the truth. Because it happens, for example, always been told, it's quite possible, that no, no, kosher, you don't eat, you don't eat kosher, you don't eat kosher. 
And if, for example, you do some research and you find out that certain types of kosher are okay for you to consume, then don't reject that just because you were brainwashed from your childhood that you don't eat that. Once you know some evidence, then accept it. Because remember, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ Allah will question you about your intentions, about your reactions, about how you behaved, about how you dealt with such situations, how you respected one another, or you didn't do so. Where Allah will question you about what you ate, He will also ask you about how you ate, how you fought, how you argued, how you learned. That when you learned something, what did you do with it? Did you stay firm on something just because you were doing it always or did you accept the truth openly? Let's listen to the recitation. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا أُولَئِكَ أُولَئِكَ مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارَ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ اشْتَرَوُا الضَّلَالَةَ بِالْهُدَى وَالْعَذَابَ بِالْمَغْفِرَةِ فَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا فِي الْكِتَابِ لَفِي شِقَاقٍ بَعِيدٍ So from the verses that we study today, what lessons do we learn? Eat that which is halal. Eat that which is good. Good for you. So don't just eat blindly. Eat that which is good for you. So research about the food that you're eating. The question is that when it comes to, for example, kosher meat, can you eat it anytime, even when you have halal options? Or can you only eat it in times when you have no other option? You can eat it anytime. Because if it's permissible then it's permissible anytime. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.